Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Thrive, where we get answers from top leaders, fathers, mothers, coaches, preachers, and teachers in all walks of life and the actions they took to take practical knowledge and turn it into applicable wisdom. Today, we have the Shane Adams with us today, youth pastor at Trinity Evangelical and also my father. Thanks for joining us, Dad. Ah, it's my pleasure. So tell everyone about yourself, uh, where you grew up, some leadership experience you have, um, stuff like that. My name is Shane Adams. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm husband to Brenda and father of Ryan Kate Adams. And uh, my leadership has been an incredible journey because I've done just about everything you can possibly think of. I was raised on a ranch. I've uh, trained horses, built fence, bucked hay. I've been a school teacher. I've been a high school and college coach. I've worked construction. I've sold insurance, youth pastor. So uh, I've dabbled and done a little bit of everything. And I've lived life fully to to learn lessons that God has taught me to live into my purpose. So very blessed to be here today and to learn from you. So let's get started. Absolutely. Question number one, what's the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned? The greatest leadership lesson I have ever learned is found in the greatest commandment found in the Bible, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the greatest leadership lesson I've ever learned is that everything begins and ends with relationships. That are, that are the, those are the trophies within your world. What we are a conduit of, we are a catalyst for. So what that means is if it's not happening in us, it can never happen through us. So our relationships are the currency within which we live. We get so focused on what we do rather than who we are or who we change. So the reason I strive for having a positive attitude is because I want to share that positive attitude. The reason I strive to be excellent is because I want to share that excellence. The reason I strive to have great character is because I want to share that character. Each and every day, I leave a legacy in who I am with who I'm a part of. So I have to make sure within my family, within my work, within everything I do, that I am a conduit of the things I want to be reflected through my actions, my words, and my attitudes. So without a doubt, the greatest leadership lesson I ever learned was from Jesus himself, found in Matthew and Mark that everything begins and ends with the relationships I live in each and every day. So how have you put that into action um, in your leadership scenarios? Every day. I mean, I think I, you have to wake up with a sense of urgency. You have to wake up with a passion. You have to understand your purpose. I think so often we get into a world where we chase what we do rather than who we are and who we can change. And I think one of the things we, we do in our youth is we have this, this slogan of three things, be completely present, be purposefully engaged and be others focused. And that's basically living like Jesus. He, he didn't have a schedule. He lived for the people around him. He wasn't too busy when he went someplace to see a person in need or to inspire, motivate, and encourage someone along the way. He was purposefully engaged. He understood that his purpose was bigger than himself and he gave up himself for others so that he could add value, serve, and positively impact others. And then he others understood that being others focused means, hey, to die a self is to put others first. So just waking up every day, being intentional with starting my day, focused on him and the word, and then trying to slow down enough to be completely present with every human being we come in contact with, whether it's at a drive through at a bank, at Walmart, at work, or at home, is the key to living that out each and every day. Awesome. So number two, what books have you read that every leader should read? Oh, we're going to start with the greatest book of all. Obviously, the Bible is the foundation for everything. You know, they say the spoken word has power, but the written word has longevity. And the principles in the book of the Bible are still relevant today and will be forever. But there are four books I would recommend that, that changed my life in different times. Uh, Lead for God's Sake by Todd Gongberg. 
uh, Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley, The Servant by James Hunter, and then most recently, The Way of the Warrior by Erwin McManus. I think God placed those four books in my life in different times to teach me four different lessons. And I think those are four books that every person should read just because they have such great context for, for, four, for four different things. Okay, so there's a common conception that people and question that people ask, is it better to read a lot of books and gain wisdom from each one and pick out snippets you can apply, or is it better to pick a select few and dive deep into those? What is your suggestion on that? Well, I think everybody's different in how they attack life. And it just seems that if, if you start your day out with the word and you learn your purpose, you'll find kind of what you're supposed to do with that. And so each and every day I start out with the Bible, but then whatever book I'm in, uh, I'm reading. And I've read a lot of books. And what's great about that is it's, you know, you don't have to be in the presence of a leader to, to have your own court of ambassadors or counsel. In other words, I've had people like John Wooden as my counselor or John Maxwell as my counselor or, or you know, Jesus Christ just by reading what they've written because those are things that last forever. So I think whatever you're seeking, whatever you're pursuing, whatever you're striving to be and become, you seek out books for that, whether it's many or just one, depending upon the time you have. But we have to be very careful because it's not about what we know, but it's about how we apply what we know. And sometimes we can get into that idea of just knowing stuff and not living it. So there's a balance there of, of making sure we go out and live what we learn so that we can be, you know, conduits in society. Absolutely. And that segues to the next one. What are you learning right now? What am I learning right now? Well, I think in the time of what we would call, you know, this, um, this season of life, that, that a waiting season is not a wasted season. That we have to attack life each and every day. And it's, it's in our, our own wheelhouse that we need to learn each and every day. So, you know, in my life, I've really enjoyed things that uh, tell me about my personalities, tell me about my strengths. I love the strengths finder. I love personality tests. I love to see how people tick, how we can apply their strengths to make them find their purpose. But the one thing I think we all have learned is during this, this pandemic where we've been quarantined is that's the greatest test of who we really are. When we're alone with ourselves and we seek to find what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So we find out what our real character, what our true attitude, what our true life is. And so I think the greatest thing I'm learning now is it's through the adversity. It's through this time of, of just being down that we really learn the most about who we are. And then we can have a game plan moving forward of how, how to better ourselves for our purpose. Awesome. Number four, how has failure impacted your life in leadership? Woo, how has failure impacted my life in leadership? Well, I think failure is often thought of as the opposite of success, but I think failure is actually crucial to success. You know, one of the great mentors in my life is John Maxwell, and I've read many of his books, and um, he's often said, you know, that an educator makes things complicated, but a communicator makes things simple. And I think he makes things simple in the fact that he has this cycle. He thinks that leadership is a cycle, not a journey. Because in a journey, you pass things by that you never come back to. But a cycle, you constantly go back to the fundamentals. You constantly go back to your foundation. And so he has this cycle where he says that every day begins with a test. And then it's what we fail from that we learn from. And then what we learn, we can improve from. So the test, we wake up each and every day. Think about it. I know you're a basketball player. and Basketball has been a part of our lives. So you go to an open gym or a practice. That's the test. But then you often need to reflect and be aware as you look back at that, what did I not do well at? 
And then you can make a decision from what you learned on whether or not you improve. But that's where our biggest gap from what we learned from a failure is evident in our lives. I mean, let's say you have a bad day in shooting. Are you going to go into the gym and work on shooting off the move or whatever you failed in that day? Or do you really improve from it? Because I think failure is a key to seeing where we lack in areas, but it's our pursuit of getting better that really decides whether we improve. So I think failure is absolutely necessary to success. As John Wooden says, adversity is our asset. It's what we learn through that refining, just like gold, when it's purified, it has to go through the fire to become pure, to get rid of all of its impurities. And that's kind of like us each and every day, we need to go through the adversity, through the fire, so that we can be a better, our better self on the other end of that adversity. So failure is definitely crucial to success. And I've learned so much from failure, but uh, still working on learning to improve from it. So the actions that you took that led to failure, would you ever, would you take them again? Or if you had to go back and do it over, would you change an action? Or would you consciously now redo the actions that led to failure? Absolutely. I mean, there's many, I could give you many instances, but I think we have to be very careful because that would take away from our journey or our cycle. You know, it's going back to those mistakes that I've made over time that has made me who I am today. So I don't want to rob myself of the lessons I've learned because I think that's God's pathway for our life. And there's, an ever, there's always a reason for what we're learning in those times of adversity because it's probably preparing us for the season ahead. And, you know, being a father, being a husband, being a youth pastor, every day is a cycle of learning. And so um, I, I think, you know, there's many... Times I failed, but I also don't want to say that I would do them over because looking back, I would, but they've also taught me so many things to, to make me who I am today. Awesome. Number five, what have you done that I should do? What have I done that you should do? Start an accountability group. I mean, you're a young man getting ready to go into your life and, and you need to have two or three people in your inner circle that hold you accountable, that build you up, but also tell you the truth. I think Jesus sent his disciples out two by two for a reason so that they had someone to sharpen each other, to tell the truth, to be there, to, to encourage. Um, I also think that he had an inner circle outside of his 12 disciples. You know, he had Peter, James, and John were his inner three who he built them up as accountability partners. I think that's so key, especially for young men and for myself. You know, I have an accountability group each and every Tuesday morning where we go in and we break down the word, but we also talk about our, you know, the things that we're failing at, the things we need help at. Uh, it brings authenticity and vulnerability to, to those relationships, which we need. So I would definitely tell you to start an accountability group as soon as possible with two or three men that you really trust that will tell you the truth and sharpen you to become who God created you to be. That's great advice. Uh, number six, where have you gone that I should go? Where have I gone that you should go? Well, you were there most of your life growing up because one of the things I've learned is that God created the family before he created the church. And the kitchen table is one of the most important things you should always go to once you get married and have a family. Um, so many things happen at that table that we've lost in the busyness of our life with technology, computers, cell phones, and video games. I would tell you to make sure you go to the dinner table with your family each and every day and make it a priority because that's where we, we share the best times of our life. That's where we read the Bible together. That's where we talk about the times we failed. That's where we learn and look each other in the eyes and have really deep relationships so get rid of your phones get rid of all your technological devices and make sure that at least one time a day you meet with your family around the table and you should never lose track of that discipline that's good i'll have to do that number seven 
What are three truths that appear evident in your life? What are three truths that appear evident in my life? Uh, number one, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You know, that we are literally what we're a conduit of, we're a catalyst for. Proverbs 4.23 says, you know, uh, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life and everything you do flows from it. We have to realize the decisions we make every day are impulses. We don't have time to make decisions all the time based on what we see. So what's down in our well, what we already are, what we're plugged into will reflect itself in tough times through either the shrapnel of our decisions or the benefits of good decisions. So we must protect our heart. Uh, number two, um, it's not about me. The idea that uh, you have to give up to go up, that surrender leads to significance. I think Jesus taught that well when the three disciples were coming with him down off the mountain when they were at the Hill of Transfiguration and they just sat in one of the greatest place ever um, and are walking back down and literally arguing about who was the best. And he basically rebuked them and said, those who want to be first must be the very last and servant of all. You must serve. And remember, it's not about me. And the last one you hear all the time at home, and I don't think you like it a lot, but um, how you do anything is how you do everything. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are and the character you reflect. Um, Colossians 3.23 says that whatever I do, I should work at it with all my heart as I'm working for the Lord and not for men to realize that I am defined by my creator, that he created me with special gifts and talents that nobody else has. And how I make my bed, how I clean my room, how I dress for work, how I do my job, how I come home as a father, how I come home as a husband, everything, every little thing I do matters because I'm reflecting his love, his truth, and his grace through that. So I think those three things would be the most prominent in my life. Um, what's down the well comes up in the bucket. It's not about me. And how you do anything is how you do everything. I agree. Those are good truths. They're truths, although sometimes I may not want to admit it. But Absolutely. Truth. That's what's great about truth. Number eight, if there is one piece of advice you can give my generation, what would it be? Just one? Yes, for now. Just one. <laughs> but, um, without a doubt, humility. Humility is the key to a significant life. That humility is the key to growth. I think, you know, we, we've lived in a world and technology is changing it. So we have to be careful that we literally with our phones in our hand become the God of our own universe. So we begin to think that everything we like, everything that we want, the world revolves around us, which has built a sense of entitlement. And the opposite for your peace, for your joy, for the love of your life is to be humble enough to realize it's not about me, that I am here to serve, that I am here to add value. And then I'm here to positively impact others. And only through that will I find peace, will I find the joy that I'm looking for. When I live my life for me, about me, trying to find exposure for me, I will never understand the purpose for which God created me. Just like Jesus going to the cross, he was so humble in his approach. He put everybody else first. So humility is absolutely the key to a significant life. That's good. I would agree for our generation. And me being a part of that, I would agree that myself and everyone in our generation needs to work on that as do i as we all do each and every day it's a daily surrender of self that's true and so that ends the eight questions so then we're going to the lightning round and since you're special and deemed Ooh. one of the wisest people in my life so you get extra lightning round that you uh -oh. can go into depth in a little I, bit i take that as a pleasure i'm going to take that as a, a bonus then literally yes. So if you could put a quote on a billboard for everyone to read, what would it say? You have purpose. 
without a doubt to make sure that everybody knows they were fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knew them before they were in the womb, and that they were created in advance to do good works, which good works which God created them to do. And we want to make sure that everybody feels valued, appreciated, and know that they have purpose. Awesome. That's a great answer that we'll come back to in two minutes, probably. Awesome. The next one, if you could go back and give your 20-year-old self one word to focus on, what would you tell yourself? One word? Just one. To always make sure to focus on my character, to make sure that the decisions, to understand that all of life is connected. The decisions I make today will affect tomorrow, and to understand that the decisions I made yesterday will affect today. So that I take extra time in making big decisions so that I don't have regrets. So my character would be the single most important thing that I'm going to reflect so I remember who I represent. Gotcha. And then the last or last one for this little series, uh, the podcast is called Thrive. So what one daily action helps you thrive in your life? What one daily action helps me thrive in my life? I think the idea of intentional growth, the idea that growth doesn't just happen. It's something I have to seek and pursue daily. So my growth in my spiritual life makes sure that I read the word each and every morning. And for whatever I'm trying to become better at, I uh, make sure and find another counselor that can help me with that. So just make sure that intentional growth is, is a foundation of who you are and who you are going to become. Nice. Okay, so that was the lightning round. So now we're going into what I call, just made it up, the verses series. Okay. So you do all these, you have a lot of alliterations over the years, hearing you speak and stuff. So now I got three um, key points that are competing against each other that I want you to expound on. Okay. I'll do my best. So the first one is explain the difference between significance versus success. Success is me focused, significance is others focused. Success could be, I can be successful as a business person by making money, but I can't be significant unless I change lives. One of the biggest gaps that we find in the American dream is that we seek self-exposure, we seek trophies that are worldly, and we lose out on the things that really matter. You never have a person on their deathbed looking back saying, I wish I would have made more money or won more trophies. They always say, I wish I would have spent more time with the people I love. And I think that's one of the biggest gaps that's true in today's world is we become so busy chasing the American dream that we forget the purpose God created us for. That's good. The next one, identity versus worth. Identity versus worth. So uh, the value of a container is defined by what it contains. So my identity, if it is found in Jesus Christ because he died for me, went to heaven, is preparing a place for me, and sent the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to live in me. And when he came upon me, my identity completely changed. I'm no longer Shane Adams. I'm a child of God because of what Jesus did for me. We find worth in the opinions of others rather than the truth of Christ. And our identity, when we're found in Christ, gives us a freedom that we would never, ever be able to attain without him. So your identity is found in your Savior and who you surrender to. Your worth is also found in that, but we just had to make sure that we aren't defined by what the world say says. We're always defined by what God says. That's good. The next one, um, Todd Gongwer talks about this, but what is the difference between purpose versus passion? Ooh, well, I think passion stems from purpose. I mean, we sometimes can have passion for, once again, the things of success rather than purpose for what makes us significant. But I think one of, when, you know, one of the crazy things is imagine, you know, you buy your cell phone and how many people pull out the manual to read of all the options of the cell phone? 
I know me for one does not do that. So like I can talk and text and I have a couple of things that I'm able to do. But if I read the manual and found out the truth about this, the power of my cell phone would be un unbelievable. But, but the crazy thing is, is who created me was God. But yet we spend so little time reading the manual, the Bible for how we were created that we don't even understand the power and love and ability we have inside of us because of how he created us. So I think that we, you know, the purpose of God is wrapped up in, in the word of God. If we would open this book and find our purpose, there is no way we would be able to live without the passion of Christ. So open up the word and find your purpose and passion will automatically stem from our purpose. That's good. So I said this on a previous episode and I just want to get your take. What's your opinion and insight on it? But I watched a Simon Sinek snippet and it said that when you work hard at something that you don't believe in, it is called stress. And when you work hard at something that you do believe in, it's called passion. Passion isn't at the entry point, it's at the exit point. So if you want to be passionate at something, find something that you believe in. What is your take on that? Well, since belief is my number one strength on the strengths finder, I think that everything I've ever done has stemmed from what I believe in, that my purpose stems from who I am in Christ. So I think there's some truth to that. I think one of the misconceptions with that that we have to be careful of is sometimes we can use that as a justification of not doing the hard things. You know, Simon Sinek also wrote a book, you know what, Leaders Eat Last or uh, something like that, correct? Mm -hmm. One of those books anyway, but I know that he also talks about we all have to be able to be willing to do you know, the small things, we have to be willing to pick up trash, we have to be willing to open the doors, we have to be willing to show up early. And I think sometimes we have to be careful, because things that cause us stress are the things that, that are hard to do. And I will tell you one thing in, in my life is my character was built through the things that I didn't always like to do. But that's also led me to be able to do the things that I love to do. So once again, I think it's the process of God understanding that we have to be accountable to the things he's called us to, and yet humble enough to learn from everybody we're we come in contact with because through that we will find our purpose and we'll find something we believe in so that we can live how he called us to live. That's good. I appreciate it. I hope so. Yeah. I've got a lot to learn as well. And then the last question I have, is there someone else, you know, that I should know or someone else that I'd benefit from asking these questions to? Absolutely. Tim Tebow. I mean, I think you have to dream big. I think you have to believe big. And Tim Tebow, when he came and spoke at our church was one of the most passionate, authentic, God-loving persons I've been. When he walked into the room, his presence changed the room. I think he's just awesome. So I think you absolutely should contact Tim Tebow and see if he'd do this podcast. I'd love to hear his answers. Absolutely. I'll get right on that. You bet. If I can help in any way, you let me know. Absolutely. If you can possibly help, I'll talk to you afterwards. If you can help me, give me his contact information possibly. You know I will. Awesome. And the last one, I know we live together. And I don't, I try to add value, but if I can add value to anything in your life, don't hesitate to call or reach out. I promise I'll do the dishes. Every day. Proud of you and I love you. Love you too. Thank you for joining us.